Right now, Twitter is lit up with tweets about the ongoing impeachment trial of Donald Trump, the second impeachment trial, mind you. And I don't quite understand why everybody's talking about it. It's a waste of time. It's an easy distraction, I suppose. But we already know Trump will be acquitted. I mean, in all likelihood, we already have, I think, 47 Republicans who said it was unconstitutional. Well, that number has gone down a little bit, but they still don't have the required number of senators to actually convict the president. Now, he may actually get convicted, but so what? What will it really mean in the long run that he can't run in 2024? Trump's lawyers have already argued it wouldn't matter. So expect a legal challenge on that front. Now, what's really going on that may be important is that there are ongoing criminal probes of Donald Trump at the state level. You see, before Donald Trump left office, many people speculated, will they try to imprison him? And many people said, no, it's not going to happen. They didn't lock up Hillary Clinton. They're not going to lock up Trump. But by they, they basically referred to the federal level Democrats. And I think that was a fair point. But you do have ambitious and zealous state level prosecutors. And now we're hearing a new criminal investigation has been opened into Donald Trump over the phone call he had with the Georgia state represent uh, secretary of state about ongoing election fraud. Is it possible at the state level they lock up Donald Trump? Yes. These people aren't playing the same game as the Democrats at the federal level, and they're not all necessarily Democrats. And yes, they will do whatever they can to stop Donald Trump. And it's unfortunate. Before Donald Trump left office, we were all kind of hoping he would pardon Julian Assange first and foremost, but then maybe Edward Snowden, Ross Ulbricht and reality winner. He didn't. And the news story that came out was that Trump basically cut a deal with Republicans that they'd kind of leave him alone if he didn't pardon Julian Assange. He was worried that if he got convicted, he couldn't run again. And this was basically the deal. But anyone with a brain knew it wouldn't matter. First of all, at the state level, they'd still come after him. And they are. And more importantly, their promises are worth nothing. I think regular people can see it. The polls are showing some pretty dramatic numbers. I mean, Republicans despise Joe Biden. The swing is ridiculous. We are a hyper polarized nation. And the level of hatred for Trump from Democrats is also equally high. So it's no surprise that they're opening these criminal investigations into him and will try to put him in prison. And more importantly, I just think everybody's addicted to the guy. I really do not want to talk about Donald Trump. Seriously, the last couple of segments I did in this channel have been about Joe Biden and his policies because they're more important. But considering one other piece of news, the GOP is basically falling apart within California. I think 30,000 people leaving the party. What they're doing to Trump will have a profound impact on electoral politics moving forward. Many people thought the Republicans would win the House back in 2022. Based on what's happening now, I'm not entirely convinced. The Republican Party was built up by Trump. The destruction of Trump could result in the failure of the Republican Party. But there's still some speculation that once the impeachment trial is over with Trump's acquittal, Trump will become a kingmaker and own the Republican Party, which is why some establishment Republicans have been talking about a new political party. And it's also funny because Trump supporters are doing the same thing. This could very well be the end of the Republican Party. So I'm not going to read you for the most part, uh, read uh, the news about impeachment, but I'll cover a little bit before we get started. Head over to TimCast.com and become a member to get access to exclusive members only podcast segments. They range from 20 minutes to an hour long full bonus episodes. One we have about life after death. We've got stories about UFOs and COVID and ridiculous memes. 
But for the most part, join TimCast.com in the event that I get banned on Twitter or any other uh, or, or YouTube or any other platform. You'll still be able to access my content and you help make sure that we can do more work. The podcast will expand. We'll do we'll actually expand into on the ground reporting and things like that. Go to TimCast.com. It is greatly uh, appreciated. Don't forget to like, subscribe, hit that notification bell. Let's read a little bit about impeachment. I don't want to waste your time, but we see this. Trump's attorney, David Schoen, slams spliced and manufactured impeachment videos shown by White House Democrats to prove ex-president incited Capitol riot and says it was a bid to trick the American people, as Trump Jr. calls the Senate trial asinine. There's a video. Donald Trump says we're going to peacefully protest and, and cheer on politicians. That part was cut out. So all you hear Trump say is we're going to go to the Capitol. And then it basically cuts off the part where Trump says peacefully protest because it's a waste of time. The whole impeachment thing is just a waste of time. It does nothing. Trump's not even president anymore. They don't want him to run again. But so what? If Trump has influence, he has influence. And if it's not Trump, then it's Trump Jr. Then it's any one of the people who support Trump. Waste of time. But there is one thing. That could shut it all down. From the New York Times, Georgia prosecutors open criminal investigation of Trump phone call. State officials are being instructed to preserve documents related to attempts to influence the Georgia election, including a call in which former President Donald J. Trump asked an elections official to find votes. And it's semantic manipulation. You know, these stories come out and people eat it up. Trump is far from perfect. There is a lot to complain about when it comes to Donald Trump. But boy, are they absolutely scared of the man. They say on Wednesday, Fannie Willis, the recently elected Democratic prosecutor in Fulton County, sent a letter to numerous officials in state government, including Mr. Raffensperger, requesting that they preserve documents related to an investigation into attempts to influence the administration of the 2020 Georgia general election. While the letter does not mention Mr. Trump by name, It is related to his intervention in Georgia's election, according to a state official with knowledge of the matter. A copy of the letter was obtained by The New York Times. The investigation includes, but is not limited to, potential violations of Georgia law prohibiting the solicitation of election fraud, the making of false statements to state and local government bodies, conspiracy racketeering, violation of oath of office, and any involvement in violence or threats related to the elections administration, the letter states. A Democrat at the state level, going after Donald Trump. Who could have seen this coming? I mean, it's fairly obvious because we already have other stories. Look at this from from the New York Times. This one going back to December 11th. Manhattan DA intensifies investigation of Trump. Prosecutors have recently interviewed employees of President Trump's lender and insurance brokerage in the latest indication that he still faces the potential threat of criminal charges once he leaves office. Well, I want to read. I want to focus on what's happening with Georgia. But I'll point out that's one way they can absolutely take the man down. More importantly, it shows you that we are entering very, very dangerous territory, my friends. I mean, they removed Marjorie Taylor Greene from her committees, and she said a bunch of really, really awful stuff. Definitely. She definitely did. Now, people still voted for her. And in 2022, they can vote to get rid of her and put in somebody else. And it may even rile up Democrats to vote against her. But if we're entering this position where the law is being used against political factions, individuals or parties to prevent them from running or holding political power, we are entering very, very dangerous territory. Now, I get it. Trump was the one who started chanting lock her up. And Trump's 
Trump supporters at, the, at those arenas when he did those big rallies would chant, lock her up about Hillary Clinton. And the media said this is dangerous rhetoric. When we're talking about locking up our political opponents, yes, it absolutely is. They were right. But I'll stress, if Trump broke the law, lock him up. No joke. If Trump broke the law, let's see it. The problem is we will not see reciprocity. If Hillary Clinton broke the law, I'd like to see her arrested as well. If any politician breaks the law, I don't care who they are, lock them up. That's the point, right? The problem is it seems like this will be wholly selective. Joe Biden's been accused of a lot of things. There's evidence and there's witnesses. I didn't say there was definitive proof, but has there even been a probe into the business dealings of Joe Biden? No. And the left and the Democrats argued that doing so was manipulating our elections. When Donald Trump said he wanted Ukraine to look into this video about Joe Biden withholding aid, the left said Trump should be impeached for interfering in an election when Joe Biden didn't even announce he was running for president. And I'll tell you what the problem is. They argued that Donald Trump threatening to withhold aid to Ukraine was a violation of the oath of office and he should be impeached. But quite literally, Trump was referencing a video in which Joe Biden threatens to withhold aid from Ukraine in exchange for a political action. You see how the double standard exists? So I want to see criminals arrested. That includes Trump if Trump broke the law. But what happens when we don't get fair play? The Democrats will lock up and remove their opponents and the Republicans will sit back and do nothing. I mean, at the very least, the Republicans seem not willing to convict Trump. But Maybe a certain number of uh, senators flip because Trump's lawyers are bad. Honestly, I don't know. The New York Times goes on to say, in addition to Mr. Raffensperger, the letter was sent to some of the state's other top Republican office holders, Governor Brian Kemp, Lieutenant Governor Jeff Duncan, and Attorney General Chris Card. The inquiry comes as Mr. Trump faces a second impeachment trial in Washington this week on the charge of incitement of insurrection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right now, all over Twitter, I see a ton of conservatives highlighting tweets from Democrats talking about how they got to get in people's faces and they got to fight people defending or bailing out rioters. But what Trump did, he's the worst. Listen, if you come to me and say Trump's rhetoric was irresponsible when he was saying, go fight, we won't let him steal this, blah, blah, blah. Okay, fair point. That's your opinion. I respect it. But you also have to recognize what literally every other Democrat said. Therein lies the big problem. We know there's a double standard, but does it really matter to anybody? Republicans don't seem to do anything about it. The Republican Party seems to be falling apart. Conservatives and Trump supporters are probably leaving not because of the Capitol riots, but because the Republican Party is just once again defending the Democrats. I'd like to ask you, because I saw this meme, this leftist put up, where it's two people standing on two different sides and the conservative says, meet me in the middle. And then as soon as the Democrat walks over, he runs to the right and says, meet me in the middle again, pulling the Democrats to the right. But if that were true, I have to ask, where policy wise does that happen? You know, like legitimate question, because right now, one of the things we're seeing is the Republicans are pro gay marriage, for instance, they're they've they've actually lightened up on a lot of issues over 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 the past, you know, uh, several administrations relative to where they used to be. The Democrats are calling for universal health care from, to be fair, they've been calling for this. It doesn't seem like we moved all that much, but it does seem Republicans have moderated on policy. And Politico has even said this. Numerous polls have showed this. So why do people keep thinking the Republicans are the ones moving further right? They're not. The Republican Party isn't doing anything to fight for anything. Now they're getting judges. Conservative judges on the courts will hold things where they are. 
They won't move things further right for the most part. We have a very conservative Supreme Court. We'll see how things play out. Joe Biden's said Joe Biden has said he wants to have a review of how the Supreme Court functions, which may lead to court packing. We will see. I'm not sure Democrats like Manchin of West Virginia would actually go along with that. But for the time being, it seems like we have conservatives who will hold the line and Democrats will keep pulling and everything just gets dragged to the left. That's where we're headed. Perhaps Trump supporters or Trumpism, whatever they want to call it, was one of the first times we saw Republicans actually fight for what they wanted, national populist policies. And they got attacked and relentlessly beaten down by the media. And thus, with Trump out, facing criminal probes, and the Republican Party doing very little to protect and fight for him, oh, they'll hold the line and say, you know, we, we shouldn't convict Trump. But will they actually come out and defend him? More importantly, will they actually threaten to impeach or, or go against Joe Biden? No, they just work with the Democrats and give the Democrats what they want, just slowly. Well, Republicans are bailing ship. Check this out. Over 33,000 registered voters left California GOP in January. The Hill says, Statistics from the California Secretary of State's office reported first by the New York Times shows the exodus from the California GOP, which appears to have accelerated after the January 6th ride on Capitol Hill. Just over a thousand voters left the GOP on January 5th, while 3,243 left on January 7th. Could it be nothing to do with the riots? Could it be that on the 5th, people were mad the Republicans did not defend Trump, so they left? Could it be that on the 7th, that was it. The electoral vote count came in. Joe Biden was was chosen to be the president in the electoral joint session. And then they left the Republican Party. I, I think if people were leaving before and after, the right had little to do with it, but it could have. They say the shift underscores the Republican Party's dwindling strength in California, which has emerged as among the bluest states in the country. Republicans still had a foothold in the state in the 2000s with several members of the GOP and the congressional delegation and Arnold Schwarzenegger serving two terms as governor from 2003 to 2011. However, the GOP's power in the state has since diminished, with Democrats now holding the governor's mansion and supermajorities in both chambers of the state legislature. Republicans were able to make some gains in the 2020 House races, winning back a handful of congressional seats in Orange County they'd lost in 2018. However, the fact that Orange County, the bedrock of the Reagan of the Reagan conservatism that once fueled the party, is even competitive highlights how far the GOP has slipped in the state. The California Republican Party did not immediately respond to a request for comment. So this is just in California. Word is, it's actually happening in many different places. Other states are seeing the same thing. I talked about this a little bit last night on the Tim Castaro podcast. And the comments that came in were people saying the Republicans don't represent us. They've abandoned us. And without Trump, they're not going to support the party. More importantly, when I was covering the Trump rallies back in 2016 or so, uh, 2015 or 2016, I, I met a lot of people who were never, they were, they were not voters. They'd never voted before. They were independent. And it was shown by many news outlets that Trump had woken up many different parts of the country that normally did not vote. He reinvigorated the GOP. So now we're facing a problem. If Trump gets past these state level criminal investigations, and he very well might, and if he gets past the impeachment, which I see, I think is particularly likely, but again, you never know. You never know. Could happen. Trump could be convicted. If that happens, Trump is poised to be a kingmaker in the Republican Party. But people have already left the GOP. Maybe Trump will see no point in trying to rally a weakened Republican Party and instead 
maybe he'll start the Patriot Party. I'm not entirely convinced. You know, and initially they, they reported that Trump was discussing this, but ultimately it didn't happen. Either way, the Republican Party is in serious trouble. And it's simple. If these people are leaving the party, how are they going to rally enough votes to win back the House? How are they going to win the Senate seats that go up for, for re-election in the next couple of years? It's not going to happen. The Democrats may then start to gain a foothold. In, uh, I shouldn't say a foothold. They have the foothold. They may actually barge in, take over, take those supermajorities. It's really fascinating to me, I guess. You know, in 2018, I questioned whether or not the Republicans would win a supermajority, whether they could hold the House or gain seats. I thought at the very least they would gain seats, but I was wrong because I'm wrong a lot. And people on the left try to think that try to act like I'm some kind of, you know, a prophet when if anything, I'm probably more like a Nostradamus. Lots of predictions, not all of them happening. There have been many things I've gotten right, but what is that worth? You know, we're all looking at the news and trying to figure out what might actually happen. But for a variety of reasons, I thought Republicans would win. In the end, I think Americans don't really care about cancel culture as much as maybe I thought in the past. Perhaps they, they do care about it. I think it does play a role in Trump and the GOP gaining more support. But in the end, I think most Americans are oblivious to what's really happening with critical theory and wokeness. I think ultimately it's the economy, stupid. Now, to be fair to myself, I did say over and over again in the past several months, it's the economy, stupid, the famous saying about how you win. And COVID played a huge role in why Trump probably did not win, among many other things. Don't get me wrong. Time magazine has come out and claimed that, you know, a shadow campaign, cabal, et cetera, et cetera. Hey, that's Time magazine claiming it, not me. But you get the point. Maybe the real issue is that people just want to live and get by. And maybe many people thought that the culture war was only getting worse because of Trump. Maybe they thought all the wokeness was because of Trump. I've heard a lot of people say it. No joke. People have told me that the only reason we're seeing the critical race theory is because with Trump in office, they were looking for anything to counter the president. That's just not true, though. All that critical race theory, all that wokeness and cancel culture started emerging in the late 2000s, and it gained real prominence during Occupy Wall Street. It had nothing to do with Donald Trump. In fact, Donald Trump is just a symptom. Maybe it all happened around 2008 with the economic collapse, young people entering the labor market with no opportunity looking for answers. And then you had Occupy Wall Street and then the rise of wokeness and, and identity politics. A lot of people thought that voting for Joe Biden would bring everything back to normal, but it absolutely won't because these problems have nothing to do with Trump or Joe Biden. They're just symptoms. The big problem we face now is that not only do Trump supporters despise Joe Biden, but so does the populist left. Or at the very least, they just don't like him. Most people, I would say, probably don't like Joe Biden. A lot of people probably don't care, mind you. Establishment Democrats seem to absolutely love the man. But they don't make up the majority of their own party anymore. This is where it gets interesting. And we'll try and break this down and figure out what this means. But here we have the initial job approval ratings by party elected U.S. presidents from 1953 to 2021. My friends, this is a scary, scary poll. And it's because it shows the United States is on track for a collapse. That's right. I think there is going to be a collapse. Take a look at this. They say the party gap in approval for Joe Biden is 80 seven points. For Donald Trump, it was 76. That was really bad as well. For, for Obama, it was only 45. He actually had a lot of Republicans who were okay with the guy and kind of liked him. 43% of Republicans approved of Obama's job when he first entered office. George W. Bush 
had a party gap of 56. Now, that was pretty bad, too. And it got a little better under Obama. We have under Clinton, 46. George H.W. Bush, the party gap was only 31. Under Carter, it was 28. Under Eisenhower, 24. Kennedy, 33. Nixon, 35. The point is, over time, we, you know, back in the day, 50, 60, 70 years ago, there was a fluttering between approval rating between Republican and Democrats. We overlapped. We agreed. And then after Obama, the split got extremely pronounced. 76% gap. And now with Joe Biden, 87. What's going to happen? If Joe Biden has just exacerbated, he's made it worse. And what comes after Joe Biden? Now, this is what's crazy. Under Donald Trump, 14% of Democrats approved of, uh, Democrat, uh, approved of Trump when he first got elected. 40% of independents, 90% of Republicans approved of Trump in January of 2017. Now, in the first month of Joe Biden, 98% of Democrats approve. For what? 43 executive orders? He hasn't even done much. But don't get me wrong, 90% approved of Trump before he got much done either. 98 is just ridiculously high. It's like unanimity. 61% of independents approve of Biden, but only 11% of Republicans. Now, I don't think the president doing anything for the most part has anything to do with approval rating at this point. The same is true for Trump as it is for Joe Biden when he got first, when Trump got first elected. It's tribalism. Tribalism is taking over. We're seeing woke capitalism expand, just getting worse. My pillow and good pillow, two pillow companies, buy the pill that makes you feel good because it shows what's tri- which tribe you're in. Okay, I guess. But what happens after Joe Biden leaves? When Joe Biden leaves and we get the 2024 candidate, who's going to be? Don Jr., Hawley, maybe? Will they even really win if the GOP is kind of faltering and falling apart? Will we see a 2022 where a third party emerges, the Patriot Party, which splits the Republican votes, and then we end up with Democrats holding the, the majority, but some fractured Republicans and Patriot Party members? In 2024, will the Republican vote be split again by third party? I mean, a lot of people are probably going to flock to the Libertarian Party. No joke. I don't think it'll be enough to really gain any massive ground. The Libertarian Party definitely needs to start, to start winning some congressional seats, mind you. That, that's where the power lies. But what if we end up seeing Democrats with a plurality, not a majority, then Republicans with the next largest faction, followed by the Patriot Party, followed by the Libertarian Party, and that just gives the Democrats control? Well, ideally, in my opinion, this would result in a coalition between, say, Libertarians and Republicans and Patriots on certain issues and Democrats, Libertarians and maybe Republicans on certain issues. And that could actually provide some legitimate opinion and policy diversity to our political space. But I'll tell you what I really fear. I don't think that's what's going to happen. I think Donald Trump is facing criminal charges. The zealous tribalist left will do everything in their power to shut him down. And the tribalist right will do their best as well. The issue is that populist leftists may hate Joe Biden, but they still work with Democrats to get what they want. And right now, the populist nationalist right hates the GOP and is leaving. So the unity Well, Democrats still have it so long as Trump is the boogeyman. That doesn't mean they're going to be able to hold on to this forever, but it's why I think they're trying to impeach Trump now. It's why I think they are still going after him for these criminal charges, or why they're still trying to impeach and convict. It's not just about Donald Trump not holding office. Donald Trump may very well be too old to run in 2024. What, will he be 81? 
It could be that the media and the Democrats know they have only one thing to unify them. Earlier today, it got announced that Greg Gutfeld of Fox News would be moving to 11 p.m. weeknights. Prime, uh, I don't think that's prime time, but it's, you know, evening, it's an evening show. So it's probably a better move. I think before he was on like weekends at 5 p.m. Or, or I think the five airs every day. I'm not entirely sure. But he's, he's going to get his own show. I think his show was on weekends and now he's going to get a weekly show, which is huge news. Congratulations, by the way. And I saw Brian Stelter of, uh, you may know him as the host of the Fox News Review. It's a show. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's called Reliable Sources. It just happens to be the Fox News Review. Greg Gutfeld tweeted out the press release and Brian Seltzer started trolling him. And I'm like, Brian, what are you doing? Why are you trolling a Fox News host? Is that really what you've become from this media report at the New York Times to the Fox News review show? You and Oliver Darcy? Yup. You betcha. So why all this Trump impeachment? Why these Trump charges? Because they're addicted to him. It's all they have. They got nothing else to talk about. I hate talking about Trump. I ignored the impeachment trial yesterday to talk about Joe Biden's policies because Joe Biden's policies have a bigger impact. I avoided talking about Trump when I mentioned the Democrats cutting down the amount of stimulus you'd be, you'd be getting. And then I complained, is this all they really have to offer us? Yes. The left isn't giving us anything substantive. They're going back on their word. Sorry, not the actual left. The progressives and the legitimate ones, my respect, because they're calling out Joe Biden as well, though I definitely think we disagree. The establishment promised a lot of things. They're not giving anybody. They said COVID relief package, $2,000 checks. <laughs> we mean supplemental to the 600. So it will be 2000 in the long run, but we're giving you a check for 14000 <laughs> Excuse me. We mean not everybody. Means tested, mind you. And we'll figure out maybe in six weeks when you might get it. Then Biden's team says the lockdowns are going to go on until winter. So what? We're going to be locked down with no COVID relief? Everybody basically agrees on. Instead, they dangle Trump in front of you because it works, because people are obsessed and addicted. It's a simple option, really. They know that people hate Trump. And it's a bread and circus. That's what it is. Bread and circuses. You know, the references, they come into the Coliseum and they say to the, you know, there's the warriors are going to fight each other and there's a lion or whatever the, the actual history was. And instead of giving the people what they really need, better living, food, opportunity, helping them start businesses, they throw bread into the stands and everyone cheers and then eats some because they're hungry. It's a shame. You know, I was talking to a friend recently about the Time Magazine article, The Shadow Campaign, and they're going, this isn't rigging. They were just fortifying it. They were just changing the laws to make it better so that, you know, people could vote and stuff. And I'm like, then what does recruiting poll workers have to do with that? Why would you need poll workers? Poll workers aren't allowed to campaign and tell people, you know, who to vote for or anything like that. So how does that in any way fortify the election? Poll workers are supposed to help people vote. Why would a shadowy cabal, so Time Magazine says, recruit them? And they don't care. They said, oh, you're crazy. Oh, it's fine. And I said to myself, you know what? Listen, there are a lot of people that just don't care. They don't want to live freely. They don't want to think critically. And they like the idea of having a, an impeachment trial because orange man bad. It's entertainment. The same is true for how sports used to be. Not completely. I think people realize sports, it's a game. 
Some people take it very seriously, a bit too seriously. But it was about a game. It was about escaping from the, the, the harsh realities of day to day work. It was about watching someone throw a ball and getting to have something to look forward to that, you know, what can you improve upon, uh, improve upon? What could you, you know, what, what entertains you? Now, in many ways, sporting events were much like bread and circuses. There are a lot of problems going on, but people chose to drown them out by watching football, basketball, hockey, etc. The difference now is they're drowning out with political theater. And this is dangerous. If people choose to avoid politics, it's frustrating. I've long been frustrated by it. If only the people would stop paying attention to the stupid nonsense and vote properly, vote, vote for their own benefit. That's what everyone thinks, right? It was all about just getting the people who didn't want to be in politics recruited into politics. And that's what both sides wanted. They wanted people to wake up to their ideology or their ideas. And some are better than others. When that happened, partly because of COVID and also because of the culture war, we now have people replacing sports, tribalism, with politics. The people on the left like watching the criminal trials and the impeachment of Trump because it is their bread and circuses. It is their entertainment. That's it. It is their tribal victory. It accomplishes nothing for no one. And in fact, it'll probably make things worse. I think Trump is a fool. He could have pardoned Assange. He should have pardoned Assange. But he thought he was going to they were going to leave him alone. And he was wrong. They will come for him and they will do everything in their power to lock him up. They will drag out this trial. They will turn his prison sentence into a reality TV show. And you know what? It's Trump's own fault. He's the apprentice. He's the apprentice man. He's the reality TV celebrity. He knew how to get those eyeballs. And now they will not stop. They need it. They're addicted to it. Trump was too good at what he did. Sometimes you reap what you sow. And that's even true of Donald Trump. But I don't know. Just because they want to do these things doesn't mean they will succeed. Just because the Republicans may be feckless doesn't mean that Trump doesn't still have allies. I think Trump is in a weakened position, not being president anymore, obviously. So we'll see how things play out. Maybe prison is in the books for the former president. Well, one thing's for sure. If I had to make a bet, I'd say impeachment's going to end in acquittal. 47 Republicans voted against it. I think six switched uh, to say it was, it was constitutional. And so you're still a handful of uh, senators away from actually getting a conviction. But maybe they'll do it. The Democrats are demanding a secret vote, or I should say members of the media, because if that happened, I think Trump probably would get convicted. We'll see how it plays out. The next segment will be tonight at 8 p.m. live over at youtube.com slash Timcast IRL. Come to the live show. It's gonna be a whole lot of fun. Don't forget to go to Timcast.com and become a member. Thanks for hanging out. And we'll see you all next time. The Biden team fears no COVID herd immunity until Thanksgiving. Oh, geez, guys, I guess we all got to stay locked down until the fall and maybe even going into 2022. Yeah, another what two it would be two years of this. Maybe then we'll, we'll have people just adapt to the new normal, they say. You know, I've, I've basically been saying if you live in the city, it's worse than if you live out in the middle of nowhere. And that's true. I mean, I can walk outside my front door with no mask on and see mountains and there's nobody around me. I don't got to wear a mask if I leave my house. But if you live in a big city, you probably have to. Everything's closed and you're probably jammed in a tiny cubicle apartment, which probably sucks. Now, I guess if you live in the, in the, in the suburbs, it's probably a mixture of the two. You still have to leave with your mask on. And if you want to go to stores, now, in the middle of nowhere, things are pretty good. But let's be real. Everyone is being impacted by this. Even out in the middle of nowhere, there's no malls. There's no movies. 
Restaurants have weird spacing, you know, social distancing things that are still going on. Many stores still require, will definitely require masks. And it's not, not going to change. Now they say it's because herd immunity, but we have this vaccine and now we're hearing that, you know, we've been long hearing the vaccine isn't necessarily going to prevent the spread of COVID. So all in all, my friends, this is the new normal. They're not going to stop. Why would they? Joe Biden said, we're going to get things under control. And if you vote for, if you vote for him, he's going to have a national mask mandate. He's going to help solve this problem. And I feel bad because a lot of people voted for the guy. And uh, no, it's not changing. Interestingly, while these stories come out, however, there are reports that hospitalizations are dropping dramatically. So it doesn't quite make sense why the media is pumping out stories like this. Dr. Fauci is still cautiously optimistic that life can return to normal by the, by the beginning of the fall. But others worry that we may not get there until early winter. Oh, no, early winter. Come on. You know, it's not going to stop. It's going to go well beyond that. But the, the bigger story in this, as, as it often is, uh, the system is completely broken. I don't know how to put it. This story is absolutely meaningless. I mean, as I just mentioned, there's tons of reports saying COVID hospitalizations and deaths are dropping dramatically by like 44%. Yet we're still being told by Fauci and, and Biden's team that we're going to be locked down for the rest of the year. We have a story from the Daily Beast ragging on Bill Maher because Bill Maher, liberal guy on his show, had Brett Weinstein and Heather Hine talk about the lab leak hypothesis. And they scream at Steve Bannon's conspiracy, even though it was put out by the Washington Post in April of last year. This is the problem. Maybe it's not that there's I, I, don't, I don't know if there's actually a solution to the problem. Maybe COVID's not really going down. Maybe it's getting worse. Maybe it's not getting worse. I don't know. Because media is hyper tribalizing and there's no fact checkers anymore. I mean, I'll just say that it used to be because I've dealt with this. You'd get a phone call from somebody saying, hi, I'm so and so with whatever magazine and I'm a fact checker and we have a story being written about you. And there's some things we want to make sure are true and ask you some questions. Companies don't employ these fact checkers anymore. So they just have they hire people to come in and write whatever garbage and they don't review it. I mean, they're editors to make sure the grammar is correct, but they don't check the facts. So you end up with a wide range of mainstream garbage and no one has any idea what's going on. And then people just choose to believe whatever makes the most sense for them. You know what they want to believe. Let's first talk about your life and what you can expect to happen. But don't worry. Joe Biden's team, they'll keep you locked down for a year and maybe you'll get an extra 600 bucks in five months. How about that? The Daily Beast says top members of President Joe Biden's COVID response team are warning internally that the U.S. may not reach herd immunity until Thanksgiving or even the start of winter months later than originally calculated, according to two senior administration officials. In an interview with CBS News this week, Biden hinted at some of these concerns, saying it would be very difficult to reach herd immunity, a population wide resistance to the virus much before the end of the summer. With the current daily rate of approximately 1.3 million vaccine doses, other top officials working on the federal government's covid response say they are uneasy about vaccine supply long term and the impact on herd immunity and have begun to explore ways to expand U.S. manufacturing capacity, potentially through new partnerships with outside pharmaceutical firms. I wonder if that means China. Beyond supply issues, though, top health officials say they are increasingly worried about the UK and South African COVID-19 variants. Okay, you know what? 
I can't tell you what for. I can't. You know why? Because Fauci's like, you know, it's common sense to wear two masks. If one mask will stop the spread, two masks is just common sense. And then he was asked again. And he's like, there's no evidence to suggest two masks actually work. And then he was asked again. Well, it just does make sense to wear two masks. And then CNBC was like, wear three masks. There's no news. This isn't news. I can't tell you what's happening. Are people wearing three masks? I don't know. But Pete Buttigieg is wearing two. Now they're saying, "Uh oh, there's going to be there's a new variant. There's two. That's right. COVID is not going to go away because it gives the perfect opportunity to the 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 government, to these to the establishment elites to control you. And that's it. Now, I will I will say I find it interesting down in Florida, there's this viral video where a bunch of people were in a supermarket just kind of doing normal stuff, like legit normal shopping. Nobody was wearing a mask. And there these reports came out saying, like, what is wrong with these people? And then you had this journalist from the Daily Beast being like, Florida is going to kill us all. And it was people celebrating the Super Bowl. And then you pull up a tweet from the same woman just like a few months ago. And it's like Joe Biden's people like dancing in the street. And she's like, take that, Trump. Snap. Yeah, nothing, nothing they say is making sense. The media is just completely fractured. Now, here's the problem. They'll tell you you're pushing fringe conspiracy theories and all that other nonsense if you challenge what's going on. Let me show you a story from The Washington Post. We're still missing the origin story of this pandemic. China is sitting on the answers. A Chinese institute must be open to investigators. Why? The editorial board of The Washington Post wrote five days ago, what is China trying to hide about the origins of the pandemic and why? In Wuhan, a World Health Organization team has launched its investigation into the origins of the virus that has infected 105 million people worldwide and cost 2.2 million lives over the past year. The terms of reference for the investigation say it will be open minded and not excluding any hypothesis about the origins of the virus. Many scientists have speculated that the virus leaped from animals such as bats to humans, perhaps with an intermediate stop in another animal. This kind of zoonotic spillover has occurred before. It's actually fairly common. My understanding, it's how a lot of diseases emerge. But what they're saying is that when a virus jumps from an animal to a human, it doesn't work that well. It just manages to find some way in. The coronavirus is attacking basically, you know, the COVID-19, every, every you know, organ system in the human body in some degree. And it's making a lot of scientists believe this probably isn't just some, you know, animal accident. In fact, there was a Newsweek article from last year in April talking about Dr. Fauci's work with what's called gain of function research in the Wuhan lab. It's from Newsweek. Don't look at me. I don't, I don't, I don't know what they're saying. Newsweek put this out. And they said that gain of function is basically you take a virus and you try to make it gain functions so that it can be even more devastating and dangerous, which brings me to the lab leak hypothesis. It's becoming more mainstream. This is interesting. Look at this. They say Washington Post wrote this February 5th. There's another pathway also plausible that must be investigated. That is the possibility of a laboratory accident or leak. It could have involved a virus that was improperly disposed of or perhaps infected a laboratory worker when it passed to others. Wuhan, with a population of 11 million, is a major transportation hub and a center of virus studies in China, with at least six facilities with BSL-3 laboratories for handling infectious agents. Published papers show that some of these institutions have been very active in coronavirus research. The most active is the Wuhan Institute of Virology, 
where Zhe Zhengli leads a research team that has extensively studied and experimented on bat coronaviruses that are very similar to the one that ignited the global pandemic. Dr. Xi said that when news of the outbreak first became known, she checked her laboratory records to see whether there had been any mishandling of experimental materials. She also asserted that the genetic sequence of the new coronavirus did not match viruses that her team had sampled from bat caves in China. That really took a load off my mind, she told Scientific American. I had not slept a wink for days. But that must not be the, be the end of the story. China actively covered up the early stages of the pandemic, concealed the transmissibility of the virus from its own people and the world, and punished Wuhan doctors who expressed worry about it in late December 2019. President Xi Jinping did not warn the public in China or abroad or abroad until mid-January. Since then, Chinese officials and scientists have advanced a host of dubious theories to suggest the origin of the virus was beyond China's borders, perhaps brought to China by contaminated packaging of frozen, frozen food, perhaps a U.S. military biodefense laboratory at Fort Detrick, Maryland, or from mink farms. The disinformation only heightens suspicions that China is trying to distract from or conceal something. My friends, gain of function research, the Washington Post, Dr. Fauci funded this gain of function research with American dollars. This is interesting stuff. They say to find out if there was a leak or laboratory accident at the Wuhan Institute of Virology or another lab. Investigators would want to carefully examine research done there, including archived lab notes, records of experiments and data, intralaboratory communications such as email, as well as bat samples, viral strains, and all sequences from the WIV collection to compare them with known genetic blueprints from the pandemic virus. This would require transparency and verification of data and sample provenance, but it has not been forthcoming. It is known from public documents that Dr. Xi was conducting, quote, gain of function research on bat coronaviruses, which involves modifying their genomes to give the viruses new properties, such as the ability to infect a new host species or transmit from one host to another more easily. Such research is controversial. A gain of function experiment can create a danger that didn't exist before, but the research might also help predict how a virus might evolve toward a spillover enabling the development of effective countermeasures such as a broad coronavirus vaccine. Some people suggested that the point of this research was to develop a vaccine and it was accidentally leaked. And they go on to mention, you know, a bit of what we already know. The WIV also collected thousands of samples from bat caves in China. They don't mention, I don't, I don't believe they mentioned that Dr. Fauci, according to Newsweek, actually uh, contributed to this, as I mentioned. But let, 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 let me show you something. First, Take a look at this. We are seeing thrombocytopenia, a rare blood disorder reported after COVID vaccines. Uh, actually, I shouldn't be bringing this up, this, this one just uh, uh, up just now. We'll come back to this one, but I do want to highlight this. Bill Maher pushes Steve Bannon Wuhan lab conspiracy, and they say fact free. What is this? What's going on? The Washington Post ran an edit from their editorial board claiming this could be related to gain of function research. That literally means they're saying the virus could have been man-made. Man-made. No joke. Washington Post wrote that. Is YouTube going to take me down now because I'm reading the Washington Post from four days, five days ago? They wrote that. Bill Maher had Brett Weinstein and Heather Hying on. And the Daily Beast attacks Bill Maher for going against, look at this, for going against China. Boy, y'all must be embarrassed, Daily Beast, because only about six days later, the Washington Post said, y'all are dumb. Y'all are real dumb. They say he had on Brett and Heather. They talked about gain of function research. 
Maher proceeded to forward the conspiracy theory that COVID was man-made. We've heard a lot recently about this fact that maybe the virus did start in a lab. Let's talk about that. The fact that there is, a, there is this lab, I think the only one in the world quite like it in Wuhan, where it started. It would almost be a conspiracy theory to think it didn't start in a lab, right? And that theory was demonized at first. Oh, come on. That's a conspiracy. That's conspiracy thinking. That started in a lab, but it's certainly 50-50. Well, Brett said, oh, it's far more likely than that. It looked to be about 90% probability that it originated in a lab. We are so politicized and polarized and partisan now as a country that if the wrong guy proposed this to begin with, and for half the country, it was the wrong guy, then the rest of the country says, no way, no how, we're going to call that a conspiracy. They go on to then claim, and I mentioned this in a segment the other day, that they're really referring to Steve Bannon. What, what do you mean? For half the country, it was the wrong guy. Half the country doesn't even know who Steve Bannon is. They're talking about Trump. What is, this is garbage. It's absolutely amazing that we have this story from the Daily Beast. This is how this is the problem we have in this country. I don't know what the solution is, to be to be fair. I mean, it's often the case. I, I can't tell you how to fix all the world's problems. Perhaps we need to do something about the fake news. So who's lying? Is the Washington Post with their editorial board statement on the potential of gain of function research infecting the world of the pandemic? Or is it the, the Daily Beast saying that Bill Maher is supporting alt, the alt-right? Well, it's probably the Daily Beast being wrong, psychotic tribalists pumping out this garbage. It ends by them saying, while the World Health Organization is currently in Wuhan investigating the origins, they're visiting a number of sites in the region from the lab to the human market and elsewhere. And their mission is not to assign blame. As the pandemic continues to unfold, Understanding how the epidemic began is essential to prevent further SARS-CoV-2 virus introductions and help prevent introductions of new viruses in the future, the team said. So you can either trust a comedian and a pair of culture war obsessed podcast hosts who were biology professors and are not epidemiologists or virologists, or you can trust the scientific community. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh. The scientific community. You mean Dr. Fauci? who Newsweek reported had funded gain of function research. I'm sorry. Listen, if you want to tell me that the scientific community is saying one thing, I'm down. I'm, I'm down to hear what they have to say. Not because I think consensus is fact. A lot of people think consensus is science. That's not true. But there is some value to a large consensus. If you have a thousand people all doing the same tests and they're basically finding the same results, that's promising. The problem is we're not doing any tests. The problem is we're not actually getting access to these labs. And now the World Health Organization is coming out and saying, oh, it's, it's all fake news. The, the, uh, the, the, the Wuhan lab theory, everybody, don't worry. It's, it's just not real. OK, is that it? We just believe China and the World Health Organization who was wrong before and who, uh, look, China lied to everybody. We can call the World Health Organization incompetent and say that when they put out information saying there was no human to human transmission, they were just being incompetent. I think it's fair to say they were lying and they knew what, they were, what was going on. The World Health Organization has essentially been backing up China. Who do you trust? The Daily Beast complaining about Bill Maher or Bill Maher referencing what the uh, not not necessarily, but speaking to the same idea put out by the editorial board of The Washington Post. I think The Washington Post is very much garbage, mind you. But I think Daily Beast is substantially worse garbage. So choose your poison, I guess. The fact is, the editorial board for The Washington Post has just entertained the possibility after looking at the evidence. OK, I can respect that. They've put out a lot of garbage in the past, but in this in this capacity, OK. The Daily Beast is just mocking Brett and Heather and, and Bill Maher. Why? Because Steve Bannon said it once. Are you that dumb? 
So you can trust some moron over the Daily Beast who hates Steve Bannon, or you can trust the editorial board of the Washington Post. You get to pick, I suppose. Take a look at this. The Washington Post wrote this story April 16th, 2020. And it says there's a, an implausible hypothesis. There's a plausible hypothesis and a much more likely hypothesis. And they say this. The first was that it was linked to bioweapons research. Probably not true. If they were doing gain of function research, it may have been mostly related to trying to develop a vaccine. But that's still just speculation on my part. Call it what you want to call it. But the second plausible, uh, the, the, the plausible scenario, according to the Washington Post, is that the novel coronavirus leaked from a lab accidentally. I think that makes sense. I do. I'm not going to pretend to know, but I'll tell you, they say this. Some scientists don't dismiss it outright. And there is circumstantial evidence. Researchers at the Wuhan branch of the Chinese Center for, CD, uh, for uh, the Wuhan branch of the Chinese CDC did, did conduct research on bat coronaviruses viewed as risky. The State Department expressed concern about the safety standard of Wuhan labs in, in at least two cables. The Post's Josh Rogan reported this week. I understand that the editorial statement from The Washington Post came out on February 5th six days after the Daily Beast published their hyperpartisan word vomit. But did this guy, the Daily Beast, not read Newsweek, not read the Washington Post? I believe the answer is they did not. I mean, or they're just lying. That's possible, too. That's the problem today. It's the media. How do we get back to to fix the problems facing our our country if there is no understanding of what's going on? One of the most important things for despots and authoritarians is that you don't know what's happening. There can be no organized front to oppose the authoritarianism if the media is broken. And the media is broken, completely broken. You'll have some people coming out saying the Washington Post is right. Others coming out saying Bill Maher is a moron and the Daily Beast is right. You'll have people saying it's a conspiracy theory. When I first covered this, I had the, the, the typical fare of left-wing grifter organizations claiming that I was pushing unhinged conspiracies about a lab. And I'm like, I was just reading the Washington Post. Is that is that it? It absolutely is. I mean, my favorite actually was when I read the Star Tribune from Minnesota, where they actually said in the article, there are questions about whether Ilhan Omar may have married her brother. And then I said, you know, Pulitzer winning news organization questions whether uh, Ilhan Omar married her brother. And then they claimed that I made it up. And but because you know, you know the format of this video, you can see like my face is small in the corner and I have the article. The image they show is literally me reading the sentence from the newspaper. It's remarkable, though. There are many left wing individuals who don't actually read the news. They just listen to what the writer says and they just assume it's true. They don't fact check anything. Someone could come out and say that the sky is green and they'd be like, wow, I didn't know that. I thought it was blue. How about that? It's like, dude, look out your window, man. The sky's not green. I mean, I guess sometimes when there's a crazy storm coming, it can turn green. They say, like, I don't know, right before, like a tornado or something. Fine, whatever. But you get, the, you get my point. You can check these things. Well, it's getting harder and harder. First, I showed you the Washington Post one. Let me show you this. From January 4th, the lab leak hypothesis from Nicholson Baker. Why is this Daily Beast guy saying it's abandoned? Like, did anybody at the Daily Beast fact check anything? Nope. They just pump out garbage into your ears. I'll tell you what, share this video with people who don't want to believe in fake news. Because I got New York Mag, I got the Washington Post uh, uh, talking about lab leak hypothesis. YouTube will probably ban it, whatever. Check this out. 
Glenn Greenwald blasts Facebook for bowing to liberal mob and cracking down on vaccine misinformation after media pressure. This is why I was going to get to the other story about the blood disorder. If you can't know, you can't organize. And that's it. The media now seems to be almost by design giving people contradictory information so they can't understand what's really happening, right? I mean, you, you open the Washington Post, a, a prominent American paper telling us this may have happened. And then you open the Daily Beast, which is hilariously, the Daily Beast was once part of Newsweek. I don't know if they still are. And they will tell you that it's all a, an alt-right conspiracy. And then Newsweek writes in April that Fauci was, was funding the Wuhan gain-of-function research. So look, I'm not going to assert anything. I'm just telling you what the news outlets are saying, because I don't know what's true. So don't take it from me. You choose which paper you want to believe. But what happens then if you start sharing stories? Well, Facebook will ban you. Twitter will ban you. And YouTube will. Some of the stuff we talk about is behind a paywall over at TimCast.com, because we know that we'll get banned. And it's very likely. So so over at TimCast.com, we have a members only section where we started putting up podcast episodes and segments where we're censor free. The issue is, They'll still go into our private site and take content that is meant for members only and publish it and then try and use it to lobby the banning of my and others accounts on the show. They, that's what they're trying to do. And there's no there's no easy path uh, past it. If I say that the Washington Post says this, they'll say I said it and they'll quote me out of context to make it seem like I'm pushing the conspiracy when, in fact, I have zero opinion on it. And, you know, but if you listen to what I say, you'll realize I have zero opinion. I have no idea. I'm not an epidemiologist or a pathologist, and I can't tell you. I'm just reading what these outlets are saying. So that's it. The censorship. That's what they're aiming for. I can show you this story. Check this out. What is thrombocytopenia? I think I'm pronouncing thrombocytopenia, a rare blood disorder reported after COVID vaccines. Basically, it's a platelet disorder, and it can be very serious, and, uh, and you can die. Now, there are many dozens, if not hundreds of stories about people dying after getting the vaccine. But hold on a second. Dying after getting the vaccine does not mean dying due to the vaccine. Here's the problem. I think it's important that we talk about these stories to criticize them. On uh, the members only uh, uh, the members only section of my website, we talked a bit about this saying the media is desperately looking for anything that will scare you and confuse you and shock you. So they'll pull up every possible story of someone getting the vaccine and later dying and then make it seem like it was the vaccine that did it. Meanwhile, they'll call anyone who then gets scared by these stories an anti-vaxxer. It's perfect. There's no right way to talk about it. So here we have Newsweek.com talking about this rare blood disorder that people got after getting COVID vaccines. They say 32 cases. By the uh, 32 cases of decreased platelet count, 14 cases of thrombocytopenia and 11 cases of immune thrombocytopenia were recording people who had received either Pfizer or Moderna COVID vaccines in the U.S. Does that mean the vaccines caused them? No, of course not. Uh, I don't even know if it means there should be an investigation because just because something happened and then something happened after doesn't mean they're related. Correlation is not causation. It'd be funny if it's like they could say people drank water and then developed a rare blood disorder. You dismiss it because everybody drinks water all the time. The issue is just because these people got vaccines and that later happened doesn't mean it's connected. But the media keeps doing things like this. There's like, you know, they would say like, doctor dies two weeks after getting vaccine. And I'm like, two weeks is kind of a long time, man. You know, and what did he die of? They're like a brain aneurysm. And I'm like, could he have just died of a brain aneurysm? Look, I think vaccines are magic technology. I mean, I mean that I'm exaggerating. I mean, it's just brilliant technology that keeps makes people live. It's fantastic. 
I, 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 I will question the research and the data. I think everybody should be safe. You know, medicines have side effects. But this idea that every single time someone dies and then they say after the vaccine, but they've never actually proven it to me is completely irresponsible. But here's the here's the important point when I want to end on this segment, the point I'm making. Just by saying this, they will clip this out of context in an effort to get me banned. It's intentional. I would say that there are there are many, many commentators that want to give you their point of view. And I think it's fair for me to say, at least in, in my view, in my opinion, I do a particularly good job of kind of breaking down and giving a rational, moderate view. Well, that's bad, especially for the extremists. The left extremists need you radicalized either to the left or the right. If you're radicalized to the right, you're their enemy and they can use you as proof. Look, look, look how crazy they are. If you're moderate or reasonable and say vaccines are awesome, I got vaccines only a few years ago to travel, travel the world. And right here in my left arm, I got a bunch, actually. And I seem to be completely healthy and fine and particularly successful. And I think the, the COVID vaccines were a remarkable effort. I mean, in, in less than a year, we were able to get this out and we're seeing efficacy rates. And uh, for the most part, I, I do trust that it's working. And there are some stories that give me pause because I think the media lies. I think the media wants to manipulate you. That being said, these grifters on the left can't have it. They can't have someone like me saying, hey, maybe it did come from a lab like the Washington Post says. And so what they'll do is they'll take these these quotes out of context. So the left hates me and doesn't hear the rational view. To put it simply, if I offer up an olive branch to someone on the far left because I don't hate them and we have a conversation, it will de-radicalize them. I've heard from many people on the right saying they've been de-radicalized as well by as well watching much of my content. Because you start to hear opinions maybe you never heard before. You start to hear an honest approach that, you know, maybe you didn't. And if you're on the left and you're only hearing the right is evil and you never actually hear what the right says, then you'll believe it. And so it's dangerous for the cult leaders and the, these, these grifters if I can actually sit down with a leftist, say on IRL podcast. I've had many leftists, uh, a few leftists on my show, and it's remarkable. We had one who was seemed like they were terrified coming here, like they were going to die or something. And it was just like, dude, we have neighbors. Like, I mean, we're, we're in the middle of nowhere. Don't get me wrong. But what do you think is going to happen? We, we have a podcast show. We live stream it. But these people are genuinely terrified. They're terrified of COVID and they don't want to have in-person interactions. And I think it's, it's, it's important to point out that many on the left, these grifters, they, they do it on purpose because the truth is, it, it is better for them that people think I believe things I don't believe. And then they write articles about it to embolden the lie to make sure that people can't be broken out of the, the matrix, as it were. It's remarkable, the, 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 the double standards and the lies. But I think most of you know, because you're on the other side of the fire. I don't know where, the, where COVID came from. I think it's interesting. And we may be locked down for a long time. But uh, you can trust the media to lie and manipulate. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. A little-known history of the revolution fist that you often see leftists raising in solidarity with each other for left-wing causes is that it actually originated with the raising of the whip. The fist represented the power you had when holding the whip and beating those you were subjugating. You see, in this photo we have here, it's an old photo from the early 1900s, you can see a large group of angry white men 
with farming equipment raising up their fists, signifying the power they hold over other people. And it's for that reason that the revolution fist is racist and must stop being you must stop using it immediately. Am I doing it right? That's not true, actually. I hope you all realize that I'm making a point, making a joke. The revolution fist does signify power. It signifies all of the working people coming together and with their with all of their fists raised, they're stronger. But you see, I made it up and it sounded like maybe it was plausible. Someone holding up the whip, signifying the power they held over others. But it's just absolutely not true, which brings me now to the, the main story. Woke capitalism, my friends, this is the future, I think. The main story outside of this is David Hogg. Uh, uh, you know, you guys know who David Hogg is. He was one of the, one of the kids, uh, the Parkland kids. He's starting a pillow company and he's calling it Good Pillow. Why? Because Mike Lindell sells pillows and because his pillow profits allowed him to become prominent, I suppose, or he sells advertisements. People are going to buy Good Pillow. I believe David Hogg will be quite successful. And it's very simple. If I wanted to, I could sell pillows too. In fact, I sell t-shirts. One of the t-shirts says I'm a gorilla. It's quite meaningless. It's a joke from the Timcast IRL podcast. And people buy it because they like the idea around it. They're fans. It's silly. It's fun. But it's a shirt. If you really needed a shirt, you can go down to any local store, bodega or dollar store, pick up a pack of shirts for a couple bucks. The I am a gorilla t-shirts are actually relatively expensive compared to most shirts. I mean, let's be real. The shirts I wear, I get from H&M, and they cost $6. People want to buy the I Am A Gorilla shirt because it's it's fun. It's funny. It's unique, and it supports the work that I do. I respect it. Thank you all for buying the shirts. Let's be real. But if you needed something for form, if you needed something for practicality, you just buy a shirt from the store. So typically, people will buy these things more as souvenirs, and that's the point. In the era of woke capitalism, or I should say tribalist capitalism, people are going to start buying certain things simply because they represent their tribe. Before I get into the story about David Hogg, however, I want to point out where we're going in terms of the tribal divisions with this story about Cracker Barrel and the joke I made about the whip and the raising of the fist. The other day we saw a viral trend. People were talking about this, this, this fake story that Cracker Barrel was racist. They said that Cracker is a reference to someone with a whip whipping slaves, and the barrel was where the whips would be placed before they were sold, which is kind of stupid because why would you put whips in a barrel, I guess? Something to ship them in, I suppose. But as far as I can tell, whips are hung up because, you know, they're whips. The story is complete BS. Cracker Barrel, which many of you may be familiar with, is the old country store and restaurant, and they have southern style food and knickknacks in a gift shop. Cracker Barrel is literally a reference to barrels full of crackers. That's it. And the reason why their image, their logo, is a man sitting next to a barrel is because Cracker Barrel came to represent this kind of old, hokey, unsophisticated individual with opinions. Because people would use the Cracker Barrel closed as a table, and there would be guys sitting next to it. But the left decided, well, I shouldn't even say the left. Some random dude on Twitter decided that Cracker Barrel was actually racist and made up a ridiculous and fake story. That's the joke I was making early on about the revolution fist. It's really easy to make up something nonsensical that sounds kind of plausible. And they tried to get Cracker Barrel, I don't know, canceled or whatever. The reality is, you can Google this. Cracker Barrel refers to some, you know, random local sitting at the local convenience store. 
And the, 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 the example Google gives is the man, you know, came down and gave us some cracker barrel wisdom about what was going on in you know, the countryside. And it's just like it means like some, some dude sitting next to a thing being like, let me tell you what for. Well, here's the story. The claim that the Cracker Barrel logo features a whip and that the chain is named after a barrel full of whips went viral on Tuesday, sparking a debate among Twitter users. I mean, how is it sparking a debate? It's just made up garbage and dumb people fall for it. and They still believe it now. Did y'all know this? User Domo Dadan wrote in response to a post that reads, quote, Cracker was a slang term for whip. That's why blacks called whites crackers from the crack of the whip. A cracker barrel is a barrel that held the whips for sale at the country store. You see the whip going from the R to the K? Racism in your face. It's absolutely just fabricated. But this tweet has like 20,000 retweets and people believe it's real. They complain about misinformation all day, but Twitter is a nasty place. Needless to say, people were shook at the apparent revelation and took the opportunity to remark on the vibes they got from the restaurant. It makes sense, though, one said. I feel like any time I walked in there, I was expecting to get sold out to the gift of the gift shop. Wow. They called it Jim Crow themed Applebee's. That's insane. Somebody made up something and they rolled with it. So why can't I make up whatever I want and people roll with it, too? The raising of the fist, the revolution fist, was when the man would hold the whip above the head, ready to strike down, representing his power. And it was adopted by the left to say, we have the power too. It's ridiculous. It's not true. It's a joke. But this, probably this dude who wrote this, may have even just been screwing around and people eat it up. It's not the case. But it's not the only thing affecting, you know, uh, industry and capitalism. We also have this story. I love this one. You get woke, you become a joke. Aunt Jemima's new name, Pearl Milling Company, is panned as people say it sounds like a gravel mining firm after PepsiCo scrapped the racist pancake syrup icon amid Black Lives Matter protests. Woke Capital 102. The second lesson we have is that your brands are garbage and no one's going to want to have them. Look at this. The original box, Aunt Jemima, it's now called the Pearl Milling Company. A lot of people wondered why they didn't just call it Quaker Pancakes, why they're calling it Pearl Milling Company. Looks like the pancake mix you get at a dollar store from the bargain bin because Aunt Jemima is the name brand. This is the next issue, uh, issue with woke capitalism. These businesses are scared of being offensive, so they just sabotage their own brands because you can't buy Aunt Jemima. OK, look, I get it. The history of Aunt Jemima. A lot of people don't like the old timey image, but they also got rid of uh what, what, what is the guy? Uh, Uncle Ben's rice, because they said it was racist when it was literally an actual chef. This is where we're heading. People make up ridiculous stories. Stupid people believe it. People in media use it to drum up outrage. And we're heading to a point where either you're going to be, be a bland, forgettable brand or people will just buy things based on their tribe. Pearl Milling Company. I do want to mention, mind you, look at this. Pancakes and syrup. My friends, please. I am no nutritionist, so don't take advice from me, but I do not eat, lar eat large wads of high glycemic refined sugar with sugar syrup sprayed all over them for breakfast. It's kind of amazing to me that people used to eat that, but I get it. When you didn't have options and you needed some quick carbs, you'd eat what you could eat. But man, I could not eat three pancakes covered in syrup. That would make me sick. Maybe it's just an old man. I like to eat lean meats. Well, actually, that's not, that's not true. I like to eat fatty meats and <laughs> not enough leafy greens. But I like protein. That's just me. Well, you get it. 
Industry is weird. And the wokeness is here to stay. They are digging their heels into these brands. And it's working. They literally just made something up about Cracker Barrel. And, and here we go. It's, I mean, Cracker Barrel probably won't change their name or anything. But you can see, I mean, it would be funny, honestly, in my opinion, if Cracker Barrel had to change their name because people just claimed it was racist and everyone just says it's so. My question is, why does everyone keep bending the knee to lunatics? It clearly is not offensive to anybody. Nobody cares. But a bunch of random idiots successfully turned Aunt Jemima into the Pearl Milling Company. Who suggested that was a good idea? It, they mentioned it sounds like a granite milling farm. It does. It sounds like I'm going to get a box of quick crete. I'm not going to eat that trash. To be completely fair, I wouldn't eat it. Anyway, I, I, I must digress, actually. Here's a trick I like to do. You take the, the Aunt Jemima, I'm sorry, the Pearl Milling pancake mix. You put in a little bit less water than normal, and you don't over, over whip it. And you deep fry it like funnel cake, but these the, the, these dough balls are really, really delicious. You can use it as a batter and deep fry things like bananas it is really, really good stuff. That's the secret. All right. We're making dessert, I suppose. But for breakfast, I'll try to avoid it. Which brings me now to the grand story of the pillow company. The future of pillow fights. I give you pillow economic warfare. David Hogg of Parkland Notoriety says, announcing good pillow. Read an update on the our pro, uh, on the our progress below. You can follow us at Good Pillow Company. If you would like to sign up to be notified when pre-orders are available, please go to Good Pillow Co. Well, David Hogg has announced they have launched Good Pillow to counter Mike Lindell's My Pillow. I'm first going to give you all a general economic secret. You can just do it for real. You don't need to be the smartest person in the world. You don't got to have any special secrets. You can literally just make pillows and then sell pillows. It's not hard. Uh, so I sell t-shirts. We have Teespring and they offer a pillow option. I could, I literally, I used to have a pillow option, uh, but I could just make pillows too. I could claim it's a great pillow and I find it to be the most comfortable and it's just marketing. Here's what's happening. And here's why I think this is important. I believe David Hogg's pillow company will be very successful and, uh, and more power to him. Good. He need to do something. You know, uh, for a long time, all he was really doing was tweeting. Now he's getting a lot of flack from people because they're mad he's not talking about gun control. He's just talking about general culture war politics. I mean, I agree with him on this one. He said, look, if you, if you want nothing but gun control, you, you got to go to March for Our Lives. If you want to hear his opinions, you follow him for his opinions. It's a good point. And if you want to sell pillows, I'm surprised he didn't do something sooner. He could have sold T-shirts or something and made some money off this. That's business, right? I don't care if David Hogg wants to sell pillows. I think that's fine. And I, and I wish him the best of luck because, you know, start a business, be an entrepreneur, He's going to, he's going to, let me tell you this. It's going to be a cold, hard wake up when he starts going through registration forms, regulations, taxation, trying to find union shops, trying to pay employees, and then realizing his profit margin is probably not all that good. Now, I think his profit margin might actually be better than normal because people are buying tribe. And that's the main point. I don't understand what the goal of changing Aunt Jemima is. I guess they want to be tribe neutral. Aunt Jemima offended one of the tribes, so they turned to the Pearl Milling Company. Okay, that's going to be recognizable to people, I suppose. But I wonder if people just go to the store and buy it anyway. They don't care what it's called. Cracker Barrel was an attempt to do something. I don't know, get them shut out of business. They can't get rid of their name like that. They're a chain of restaurants with signs all over the country. It's just weird. One tribe is actively trying to destroy the brands of many businesses. And the other is just selling things. Which brings us to the good pillow stuff. Maybe the profit margin for David Hogg will actually be pretty good because the people who are going to buy it are purposeless tribal zealots. I'm not saying that to be mean to David Hogg. It's true. 
my pillow. I've got one from Mike Lindell. Uh, I was at Walmart. Uh, this was a long time ago. And I saw it on a shelf. They're actually kind of expenses, expensive. And I saw, I think Mike Lindell's on the box. And I was like, oh yeah, it's that guy. He does a, he does a commercials on Tucker Carlson. Uh, so I bought one. I bought one because I was like, well, you know, it's culturally relevant to people on the right. Let me try this pillow out. And I got to admit, I set up for all the time. I like it. If you want to use the MyPillow, though, you need a regular pillow and then the MyPillow. And it is the ultimate combo because the MyPillow is like a bunch of broken up pieces of foam, basically, in a pillow bag. It's actually really nice, though, because you can shape it how you want. But you've got to have the support of a regular pillow. So I have one. It doesn't mean anything to me. It's literally a pillow. I think to most people on the right, literally a pillow. But for people like David Hogg and people on the left, buying the good pillow will be some kind of statement or virtue signal about why they don't like the right or the far right or whatever. So he, he publishes this to the future. Seven days ago, they said it could not be done. Seven days ago, we joked online about just how powerful a pillow company could be to the believers, to those who dared to imagine a pillow company could be about more than just pillows. Thank you for turning our wildest dreams into reality. Rest assured, good pillow is well underway. OK, well, let, let me stop you right there. Who said it couldn't be done? <laughs> I, I could literally take 10 minutes out of my day and start a pillow company. I'm not even exaggerating. People, I think people think it's much harder than it really is. Now, to be fair, he's trying to find a union factory made in America pillow that pays good wages, and he's having a really hard time doing it, and people have been dragging him for it. Whatever. He says, from day one, we've set out to create a pillow company that is simply put, good. The seemingly straightforward idea stems from the mindset that everyone deserves a good night's sleep, coupled with the belief that we deserve to feel good about the brands we choose to support. Good Pillow's commitment to being a quality, ethical, and sustainable company exists at the forefront of all, of all our business decisions, large and small. Why? To inspire a new generation of Americans to live the American dream by giving back and supporting causes you believe in. To create a true conscious consumer movement, all while getting a good night's sleep. I actually dig it. I absolutely dig it. If he's going to be manufacturing in America, getting good union labor, it's going to help the working class be more sustainable, less profit driven. I'm a big fan. By all means, uh, brother, make your pillow company work. Uh, I, I mean it sincerely. Absolutely. He says, here's what we mean when we say good. They pledge to support charitable, or, or char charitable organizations, pledge to have an active dialogue with its customers regarding which causes to allocate its money to, to sustain, sustainably uh, source and be environmentally accountable, employ well-paid unionized manufacturers, and to be made in America. I mean, that's rad, right? They pledge to place a strong emphasis on hiring those who have traditionally uh, struggled with seeking employment, including veterans, refugees, people with disabilities, and people formerly incarcerated. Also really good things. But I've got to point out, this is going to be, oh, wow, this is amazing. They're going to appoint a chief progressive officer, oof, heavy eye roll on that one, to its executive team, whose sole purpose is to ensure we stay true to our vision. Sure. They'll fill our board of directors with people who actually represent America, which basically means they're going to be, you know, trying to be like racially diverse or whatever. It's going to be tough. It is. I, I, I Listen, I, I'll be honest. I, I love the idea that they want to help veterans, refugees, people who are formerly incarcerated and all that stuff. But you mean to tell me that you want to find a union shop made in America pillows who hires convicts? These pillows are going to cost a ridiculous amount, ridiculous amount of money. It's already expensive for the MyPillow, to be completely fair. But pillows shouldn't be as expensive as this will end up making it. I can't say that that will be, uh, I can't say that'll be a big problem, I guess, necessarily. But I want to point something out, okay? The people who are going to be buying good pillow will probably do it just because 
It's their tribe, as I mentioned. But what will the people making the pillows do? Cameron Caskey is also a uh, uh, notable from the Parkland incident. And he tweeted very cool stuff. America sunglasses, you know, arm. And many people are saying, you know, uh, implying I'm assuming this means he's kind of mocking David Hogg or whatever. So this guy, William Legate, says, if Elon Musk could please get in contact with us, we are trying to launch a pillow into space. Not joking. We will accept Dogecoin for pillows as a precondition for our pillow space launch if need be. Elon, please have your team reach out to the following email. My PA will be monitoring your PA, dude. <laughs> sure. CEO of Good Pillow. This guy, William Legate, says, I'm going to buy David a Lambo once we hit over $10 million in donations from our pillow company so we can drive to my house faster. Hogg says, nah, make it a Tesla Roadster, zero to 60 in 1.9 seconds. Do I really believe that they care? No, and that's the sad reality. Look, if they actually do good things, I don't care what their intention is. If they make money doing it, by all means, good for them. That's America. But it seems to me that you've got a handful of young people who stumbled upon mass power in the political space, and they're going to use it for personal gain. I don't think they understand what it means to run a business. I don't think that understands it. They, don't, they understand what it means to do any of the things they're really trying to do. And I think they're using the tribal outrage at my pillow to start a pillow company. My friends, this story is stupid, and I don't think it's it's worth even talking about for the most part. I lit, uh, legitimately and literally wish David Hogg uh, and William the best of luck in their in their pillow endeavor, because uh, I, I do like a lot of what they said they stand for. If he makes money off of it, that's absolutely fine. But I think we see a lot of this. People who make money off preaching to the tribe and then buying exorbitant things for themselves. And that's just the name of the game. Tribalism sells, my friends. Of course, they accuse me of much the same. And what more can I say? That's why I, I take a step back and I say, look, do your thing, brother. If you sell your pillows, by all means, I might even pick one up to give it a try and tell you how I think, how I feel about it. And, and if the dude ends up buying a Tesla Roadster because he sold pillows, welcome to capitalism. The bigger issue I think at play here and the why I showed Aunt Jemima and, and, and why I showed Cracker Barrel and told that silly story about the, the, the right, Revolution Fist is that what's driving product sales right now is probably the most ridiculous, inane, and dangerous motivation. Tribalism. I mean, that's really it. We shouldn't be, especially if we're environmentalists, advocating the creation of products people don't need for the sake of supporting our tribe and opposing a, a different one. I wonder if David Hogg's Pillow Company is going to make my pillow, sim, you know, similar to my pillow with like the loose foam format, or if it's just going to be a pillow you can buy for a cheaper cost. I get it. If you want to buy the pillow as a souvenir of, or something, sure. But are people just going to be buying a pillow? They didn't really need and shuffling money to somebody who told them support the tribe and here's a pillow. Maybe, maybe in the end, it'll be a good thing and he'll get his Tesla Roadster and he'll still help people who are veterans and refugees find good jobs in America. Maybe the pillows will be pro prohibitively expensive. I honestly have no idea. But moving forward in the future, what I think makes this actually more important, the story outside of the pillow and all the tribalism stuff is that we're going to come to a point where there's going to be parallel economies. It's something that I've brought up time and time again. It's the worrying aspect of the mass censorship, the refusal to do business, banks shutting people down. You know, I, I heard recently that for the firearms industry, there's only a few banks that will actually process their transactions. So somebody who's pro-gun needs to start a bank. Look at Gab. 
When people get banned because of their ideas, Gab created their own infrastructure, their own browser, their own extensions. They're setting up their own servers. They're creating a parallel economy. This is where I think things actually become scary because eventually you will have two overarching tribes that don't service each other's businesses. And then what? It'll be really strange, won't it? You'll go into a store and they'll be like, which side are you on? Where does that lead? I don't know. Maybe some kind of civil war, maybe not. Maybe the country will just break apart peacefully. I mean, look, if people in red states stop servicing blue businesses and blue businesses stop opening in red states and red businesses stop opening in blue states, it seems like we're on a slow roll towards this country dissolving, right? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's just a pillow and this is a big old waste of time. I don't know how you made it this far, but thank you for, for making it that far. And, uh, you know, to be honest, let me tell you something. I talk about the things I think are important. I talk about the things I want to talk about. And sometimes people don't care. That's the point I'll make in reference to the tribalism and the people who want to make money off their tribe. There are a lot of segments I've done that are absolutely ignored by left-wing grifters because they agree with the premise of my video. I mean, like even in this video, I genuinely hope David Hogg's company succeeds because he's doing some pretty, like, I mean, their cause is pretty rad. There's no, there's no denying it. Helping veterans, refugees, and formerly incarcerated find work is fantastic. Uh, Union-backed labor in the United States, it's all really, really awesome stuff. I have some comments about it, some opinions, some criticism as to the woke capitalism emergence. But for the most part, it's, it's whatever. They'll want to claim that the videos I do make that are critical of the left are on purpose to make money and that videos like this don't exist. Now, the reality is I'm pretty much a milquetoast fence sitter. Don't necessarily understand why it is people choose to watch my con- content when they can get their confirmation bias from any one of these other tribalists, but I appreciate you all being here. And that's about it. I think woke cap- capitalism is on the rise. I think we're going to see more absurd brand changes. And I think ultimately... You see this pearl milling, you know, pancake company or whatever, pancake mix. What's to stop someone from just countering it and taking up the opportunity? Now that Aunt Jemima's gone, what if someone launched their own brand called like Aunt Harriet? It looked very similar. And then now that they've abandoned the brand, someone else can take it up and start winning over that market share. To put it simply, there are people who are going to go into the store and be looking for Aunt Jemima and they're not going to find it. They're going to see what looks like a knockoff brand. What if someone makes a brand that is extremely similar, almost identical to Aunt Jemima? They, Pearl Melling can't sue. I mean, they abandoned the brand, right? Maybe they could, but someone could make something similar and that knockoff might, might even sell better. So there's going to be weird ramifications to woke capital. But in the end, maybe the dissolution of this country. I know, big leap, right? The point I'm trying to make is if this continues, I'm not saying it will continue. That's another thing that they try to misconstrue. If we continue down a path of creating two pillow companies, red pillow company, blue pillow company. What are we going to do? Red fast food chain, blue fast food chain. And then why would they operate in each other's territory? That's where it's heading, isn't it? I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Okay. It's, it, next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. at youtube.com slash timcast. There you go. I'll see y'all there.